poem that's been bouncing around in my head for the last few weeks. It's a, maybe it's not a poem, maybe it's just a quote. I don't know what to call it. Martin Niemöller said it, it gets quoted often. You may not have the words exactly the same because he said it frequently. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Will you pray with me? Holy God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so by a show of hands, how many of you, the last time you went to a faith-related event, got food? I was thinking about this earlier this week, and I realized that probably about 90% of the faith-related events that happen on campus provide food. There's us. Just in case you didn't know it yet, we're having tacos after the service downstairs. There's doors on either side. Free. All you have to do is show up and take them. We might try and talk to you, but, you know. Then there's the Muslims. They're hosting an, uh, a banquet to celebrate the end of um, Aid. Then there's the Interfaith Council, where the Interfaith Youth Council is, inter what are we calling it, Angela, the group that's hosting the bagels. Project. There we go. They're having bagels before the Unity Walk in a week. I think there is a reason that these faith events all have food. I think it's because the closest relationships that we can form are formed around food, including the relationship with food itself. When we eat, we're literally taking something into our bodies and it's becoming a part of who we are. So you might be wondering what this has to do with passage. Well, Jeremiah has a problem with his digestion. He's off on his own. He feels lonely and isolated. He's not invited or he's choosing not to attend the parties. And, you know, like most of us, he's feeling a little insulted, a little indignant, a little angry about things. On top of this, he's in pain. He's hurting and he's not being healed. Now, if I were him, I would be pretty upset about this. Things would not be fitting well with me. You might say I'd be experiencing some indigestion. And I think, like Jeremiah, we can often find life hard to digest. There are 
so many things going on in this city, around the country, that are hard to digest. I was thinking about it earlier this week, and this sort of image came to me of the U.S. and the way that we've started throwing up unwanted and undesirable beliefs, attitudes, and opinions. I'm going to name a few, and I'm sure you can come up with others on your own. There's the um, protest in Charlottesville um, by the alt-right, the Nazis, the KKK. I've lost track of what they're being called now, but by these racist groups. We're growing up this negative history that the U.S. has that has happened over the last, I don't do the math, the 200, 250 years of our history. And this is seen in the experiences of those who are trying to resist these views and the way that they get labeled as um, terrorist, as violent, as um, the exact same things that the Nazi racist groups are, are um, putting forward. I think my classmate Rob Lee is a perfect example. He's been forced out of his church um, for trying to speak the loving word of God. Another example that just happened, uh, I think it was earlier this week, was there was a gathering of evangelical leaders in Nashville. And I don't know if this extended much beyond those who are really into church politics, um, but they came out with this Nashville statement about how there are large groups of people who are um, sinners and not welcome in church because they're lesbian, they're bisexual, or gay, or transgender, or intersex, or asexual, because they are who God created them to be. This group said, there is something wrong with you, and we're going to do everything we can to change who you are. You're not loved as you are. We may love you, but we hate who you are. Just as a side note, I completely 150% disagree with them. I think that everybody has been created in the world of God, intended for them to be created, and I don't think that any of those identities are reasons that you cannot or should not or will not be accepted and loved in this community. And if you need help finding a church community that will welcome you, um, I'm sure that Dumbarton will. I'm sure that National UMC across the street will, and I would be more than happy to find another church if neither of those are the ones for you. This is, I would say, the, in the same way, this vomiting up of these uh, rotten views from our history. This uh, undigestible, this um, 
rotten food that we've tried to stomach. Perhaps not as long as racism, perhaps only uh, sort of out front in the world for the last 50 or 60 years, but still trying to digest as a nation and it's not sitting well. So there are many who focus on this bomb, this expression of how we've internalized it. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I don't want to leave the vomit laying around on the floor so that it stinks and continues to make a mess. But we're not dealing with the source, the cause, the food, the rotten food that we're eating. We're just keep, we just keep eating it and keep trying to digest it and then act surprised when it comes right back up again. So this is a pretty negative <laughs> view of the current state of things. Perhaps more negative than uh, how I was talking about Jeremiah's experience. But there is hope. Despite this, despite the vomit, the rotten food, the pain and isolation, God is still there. We can still find God. So we'll start with where Jeremiah can find God. We'll start with God bringing joy to Jer Jeremiah. God does this through allowing Jeremiah to find God's word. And the passage says that this word of God that he finds brings Jeremiah joy. That it causes his heart to delight. But this is after he's eaten the word once he's found it. And after he's eaten it, Jeremiah and God are called by the same name. By eating the word of God, Jeremiah becomes one with God. This is how God is always present with us. Um, and it's something that we know today. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard people talk about trying to find a church where they feel fed. This is the, the idea that they're talking about there. They're looking for a word of God that feeds them, that brings them joy, that delights their heart. So Jeremiah is in communion, in community, uh, with God through the words of God that he eats. In the same way, or in a very similar way, to the way that God is in communion with Jeremiah through what he eats, God is also with us through what we eat. God is with us through communion, through the bread and the juice that we're going to eat this evening. The word that Jeremiah eats and the table that God prepares for us is good food. It feeds our body. It digests. It strengthens us. It's not rotten. It doesn't produce hurt and pain and bad feelings and racism and homophobia and transphobia. 
It creates in us the strength to overcome all of these things. It strengthens us so that we can continue to go out into the world, so that we can continue to seek out those who need to know God's love, who need to know our love, who need to know that they don't have to change to be a part of the community of God. And it strengthens us to do this so that we're not overcome by those who would try and tear us down. It strengthens us so that we can keep going forward, so that we can keep sharing God's love. Jeremiah teaches us how to live in a food-oriented world. Now, if you paid attention to the Facebook event, you saw that the title of the sermon was uh, Finding the Prophetic Voice. So far, I haven't said a whole lot explicitly about finding the prophetic voice. Partly this is because Joey was planning on preaching the sermon and he had an entirely different sermon. Partly, this is intentional. Finding the prophetic voice by the way, Jeremiah is a prophet. That's where we're getting to the prophetic voice from. So Jeremiah shows us that in order to have this prophetic voice, we need to eat. We need to eat healthy, strengthening things. And through doing so, we need to become one with God. And then, once we have become one with God, then we can go forth and be a prophetic voice. It doesn't work if you go the other way. If you say, I'm going to go out and be a prophetic voice, you know what happens when you do a lot of yelling? A lot of screaming, a lot of fist waving. If you haven't eaten first, you get tired. If you haven't had some water to drink, you might face heat exhaustion. If you haven't formed a community, you might feel isolated and alone, like Jeremiah did at the beginning of the passage. Jeremiah ate the word of God and was strengthened by it. And then he spoke from that oneness the place where he was called by the same name as God. So, this passage calls us when we're feeling isolated and alone and unhealed, when we're seeing the pain of uh, rotten food being vomited back up, to turn back to God to find God's word, and through finding God's word, find joy, and through joy, find oneness with God. Now, I want to come back to Martin E. Muller. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out. 
I was not a socialist. Then they came to the trade unionist. I did not speak out. I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out. I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. strengthens you and brings you joy so that you can go forth to speak out for those they are coming for. God's love and grace in our lives. Let me turn off the recording before I forget.